1: hi everybody i'm jerry
0: and i'm shannon
1: betty white is hanging out with us and we're back for episode six three. that's 63 of the Arner adventures podcast
0: betty white is doing more than just hanging out with us
1: no, she, is. Yeah. she
0: is making some noise today she is thriving so if you hear her in the background just know that she's having a good time today
1: <laughs> she is it's okay. saturday and she Counts down the days till we're both home with her.
0: Yep, we are uh, recording this on a Saturday. I'm glad you pointed Saturday. that out. Yeah. Uh-huh. Well, today we have a spark in our lives guest. You know, we should probably have some kind of a soap opera soundbite when we say that, just to give it a little bit more dramatic <laughs> flair.
1: That's that's funny. Yeah, that would be funny. Um, yeah, so our guest today, um, and we say this a lot, maybe it has something to do with why we invite these guests on the show, but Angie Callen is our guest, and she has so much alignment with us.
0: She really does. She and her husband are dinks. In case you all don't know, that's double income, no kids. Similar to us, they rescue their children. Which are fur babies? Uh, they downsized dramatically a few years ago. We talk about that. Angie's an entrepreneur who wants to help you get rid of the Sunday scaries.
1: Oh boy, that's uh, that's the person for me. <laughs>
0: <laughs> no, you don't get those anymore.
1: No, I've gotten over those, but you know, I had my experiences with. Them. Oh,
0: I think we all do. We yeah. talk about that and how mm-hmm. you can ruin your your whole Sunday. Getting as you dread for Monday. Oh. We just want to make sure that we go ahead and tell you something really interesting. If you're listening to this episode with Angie Callen, it drops on Tuesday, February 28th. I was a guest on her podcast called No More Mondays. And that episode drops tomorrow, March 1st. So see, it bookends, which is really, really cool. So you should listen to this episode and then when you finish it, go over there and listen to hers. But if you listen to hers, then hey, welcome over here to the Arner Adventures podcast. But oh, what we're man, we're gonna we're gonna talk about it. I think we should just get to the conversation.
1: I think we should.
0: Really quick before we get into the conversation, if you haven't left us a review or rating, please do so. Not only do we appreciate it so much but you could be chosen as our featured review and receive a free personalized yoga workshop from Nerva. Nerva is a women-led team of licensed Ayurveda and yoga professionals helping women achieve their health goals through natural and holistic means. If you would like more information about Nerva, head over to nervahealth.com or click the link in the show notes. Now let's get over to our conversation with Angie. Well, we've told you a little bit about today's guest, but we're going to dig in a little bit more about her. And before we get into our conversation, our guest today is Angie Callen. Angie is the founder of Career Vendors. Angie is a strategist, a visionary, a leader, a risk taker, a doer, and an entrepreneur. Angie truly believes that everyone deserves to be happy in their careers, even though we live in a society that accepts mediocrity. She will help you rise above the norm, recover from life and career situations that have broken your confidence, and help you see your true worth personally and professionally. The reason that we love Angie besides all of that is that she has a rescue cat and has a previous life living in a schoolie. So I can't wait to hear a little bit about that. Angie, thank you for being here.
2: Thanks Shannon. I'm excited. Yeah. There's lots of, there are lots of parallels and overlaps to talk about. So I'm excited to see what we get into.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Me too. So we want a
2: mental picture. Where are you coming to us from? I live in a little town called Glenwood Springs, Colorado. which is high up in the mountains. Uh, You will find out why I totally identify with the adventure aspect (laughs) of what you guys do. Uh, So we're about 40 minutes from Aspen and and Joy have lived in this area of Colorado for collectively between my husband Jim and I like 35 years. So we do all the mountain things and um actually when we did live in the schoolie managed to do it here as well so we not only lived schoolie life we lived a schoolie life at 7000 feet above sea level in the winters or okay. so in it, the cold. so yeah uh there's the, that there's that risk taker part um <laughs> and so yeah it is a it's a lovely colorado bluebird day everything's blanketed in snow here and that's a, a little piece of my world
0: oh that is wonderful I, I cannot even imagine living in colorado but i can't imagine a school being in a schoolie in colorado so my first question is did you guys purchase the schoolie already redone or did you do the whole thing
2: we oh shannon (laughs) we bought a steel bullet we bought a steel shell already gutted 1986 bluebird bus and uh, we no longer have our schoolie. Uh, we bought uh, the schoolie, enabled us to buy our house in this town where uh, mm-hmm. it's it's a resort area, so real estate's really challenging, and that was one of the strategies in which we downsized in order to enable this. So we don't have the schoolie anymore. But for all of those of you that are still curious, she is alive and well on Instagram as a bus called Rio. And if you want to see the whole transformation over the four years that we we bought it as a steel shell and had 26 days to move into it in October at 7,000 feet above sea level in the Colorado Rockies. So um, we spent 26 days basically getting it insulated and like basic walls and just the composting toilet installed Mm. and then moved into it and lived in a 225 square foot construction site in the middle of winter while completing the build out. So, uh, yeah. Yeah.
0: (laughs) <laughs> okay. Where did you, where did you come from? Like how many square feet did you come from to go into that?
2: We had been, and, and part of kind of like my, I would say entrepreneurial journey includes a, 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 a disastrous failed business venture that got us in the point of like needing to recover. And mm. so for us downs, downsizing and moving into a minimalist phase helped us rebuild. It gave me, uh, it gave us kind of that, like, our, our bare bones cost of living. And so that I was able to, to then put resources into career benders, which kind of got, got us back on our feet and, and rebuilt. So it was a big part of, it was a very strategic, big part of our life. And as Jim says, he, I don't think liked schooly life at all, but totally understands the means to the end. It provided us. I loved it It as a cool factor. It was fun to take pictures, you know, all that kind of stuff. It was very rewarding to build it out. Um, but that we, we had gone from 4,500 square feet to 600 square feet for one year and then went from the 600 square feet to the 225 square foot schooly.
0: Whoa. Yeah. Okay. We went from, when we downsized, we went from about, I'm trying to think, maybe it was like, uh, around 2000 square feet down to 550, which to us was. <laughs> significant. That's
2: significant. Yeah, yeah.
0: Um, I mean, now we're in about a seven hundred, so it's a little bit bigger. But I, I, I remember that transition. But I cannot, re- I cannot imagine doing. Uh, and I would love it. I would love the opportunity. But I can't imagine that big transition and it being into a schooly. Oh yeah. And don't, don't get me wrong. There out.
2: was a storage unit. There was a storage unit that I am still continuously shocked how much stuff we packed into. I used to joke with people that it was it had like three pieces of heirloom furniture and a whole lot of outdoor adventure gear in it. And when we unpacked it when we moved into our house in July, I was like, okay, I was right.
0: <laughs> oh, wow, okay. All right. Well, that's that you know what? You check that box as an adventure? Yes, and yes. You know, anytime, and not for
2: the faint of heart. Anybody out there? I mean, schooly living is awesome, but it's it's also work. I mean, we had yeah. a tiny wood stove, so there was time and energy going into the you know that the systems like tanks and all that kind of stuff, and have to be a very actively, uh, you know, emptying, filling, and all those kinds of things. So, yeah. um, it is. It's super fun. It's an experience. Uh, there are probably a finite number of people that you can live in that smallest space with. So make sure you have one of them. and everything you ever do in life after tiny living is just 10 times easier
0: it you know it really is I mean it really is we don't even and then I'm going to get back on on task but we don't even use our like big stove like big oven like we still use our toaster oven because it just seems so it seems like it's so much energy when it's just the two of us. And we lived for, I don't know, a couple of years, just using our toaster oven to cook in. So we don't even open it. like We just, <laughs> we, we used to serve on top, but we never open it. Never. Yeah. When so, we first
2: moved into the house, I still prepped all of our food on like this little 18 inch counter. Cause I was just, that's what I was used to. There was yeah. a huge counter behind me, but I still, yeah. I still just did that. And, and actually we Full disclosure, are in the middle of a DIY kitchen renovation. So basically, uh-huh. I'm like, it's a really good thing I know how to make a makeshift kitchen and cook in two feet yeah. because I've had, to, I've needed to through the last like two months.
0: Right. You're a pro. So it's no big yeah. deal. Okay. So you touched on this a little bit and I, I love everything about, and we talked about in the intro and I love everything about what career benders is. But I, I'm wondering now that you said that you got into the schoolie and you're like, you know, now starting career vendors. And so where did it come from? Where did you decide, okay, this is what I'm going to do now. And what was that transition like getting it started?
2: It's, it was definitely the culmination of a journey. And I didn't know it's where I was going to be needed to be should be was meant to be until I was there. So the, I guess the Reader's Digest version is over the last 20 years of kind of my career trajectories, I started my career as a civil engineer, which should bring full circle how we were able to build a schoolie inside of a, you know, build a house inside of a bus. But I started my career as a civil engineer and I, I knew when I was a junior, it wasn't what I was going to do for my life. But when you're a junior in engineering school at a really expensive university, you don't change your major. Mm -hmm. So I, I stuck it out. I came out of school kind of when the the, the wake of 01 was happening. So the economy wasn't fantastic. I got a job at an engineering firm. And then that, I lived in Boston. And this is like an actual pivotal part of how everything fell into place because I learned how to snowboard when I lived in Boston and I totally just got bit by the bug. And and I would say that that was my first foray into like the whole outdoor adventure world, which is a big part of our lives. Uh-huh. And I also think is a big part. It should be a big part of life because it just pushes you kind of out of your comfort zone and, and, and things like that. But so I, sp- I used to spend a ton of time in the outdoors, like up in Maine and everything. And I came out to Colorado on vacation and I was like, why am I driving I-95 to go to Maine and ski every weekend when I could live here? And I actually got the chance to transfer through the Company I worked for, uh, to an yeah. office in Breckenridge. And I moved like September 8th. I started work in 2008 and like a week later, Lehman brothers crashed. And it was just the whole world turned upside down. I kept yeah. my job, but it wasn't what it was supposed to be. And I took that as a, as a point to say, okay, it's time to do something different. And I had met Jim who lives in Aspen and took that as an opportunity to kind of move two hours over to this resort area, went through just a very unplanned career change exploration. And I did all kinds of random stuff. I sold advertising. I ran an art gallery for a single artist who that was an experience coming out of giant structured corporate America. Um, and then I stumbled into the nonprofit sector, which was never on my radar. And, uh, I was there for about seven years and four and a half of which I was an executive director. And it was a grass, it was a grassroots organization, um, tied to the arts, which that's where some things came together. It had a ton of potential. And this is where things started to click because I, as a top performer in high school, did not have strong career aspirations. And it's taken 20 years to realize that I felt really self-conscious about that back then. And a lot of it is because of the entrepreneurial piece of me never got fueled back then because they don't teach entrepreneurship in school, let alone in podunk Pencil tucky is what we like to call it. Um, and so it, a lot of things kind of came together and made sense. And when I was ready to leave, and when I decided to leave the, the nonprofit, I knew I wasn't gonna go run another nonprofit. It was time. It was time to do my own thing. And, you know, we had gotten into this business venture that didn't pan out. We bought a business, it was a product-based business, high overhead like just high risk and it, it didn't pan out, but like, I knew I still wanted to be in that space and I've always had the, the capacity to coach and consult. And I did it a lot with artists and stuff like that when I was running the, the nonprofit, And so I, I, like, I kind of was at this point where like, okay, I'm going to start a business. It needs to be low startup, low overhead, which basically means it's coaching and consulting. And I got smacked in the face with the career specialty. Like it was just a chance conversation. I remember exactly where I was, who I was talking to. And it was a friend from college. And she just happened to say, yeah, I've been working with a career coach. And I was like, it was like an aha (gasps) moment. Yeah. And I knew, I was like, I have a perspective and I have, I have a voice to, to talk about this. I've worked in lots of different industries. I've gone through my own career changes. I know I can do this. So I just, I just started. Um, and that was five, just, we just celebrated our five-year anniversary. Oh, and congrats. then, yeah. And then, and then about nine months into that venture which I cut the cord and went full force into it. And about nine months into that adventure is where schooly life came in and really allowed us to to free up resources and, and really grow the oh, business.
0: That was oppor- that was a great opportune time mm-hmm. for that to work out. Yeah. Well first of all, I I related to when you said when you're in high school and you didn't know. I remember feeling really self-conscious that I didn't really know either. But I just told everybody I had heard someone talk about An occupational therapist. I had no idea what that was, but I was like, when they were like, what are you going to do? I was like, I'm going to be an occupational therapist. I had no clue what that was, but I knew I just needed to say something because that's what people expected of you. And then now I'm like, yeah, I didn't, I didn't ever want a specific thing for someone else. I sort of wanted to make my own path and that's sort of what fuels me. So I love that you that you were able to say, okay, career vendors, and this is, this is going to be my way to take in all of these things that I've learned and all the different pieces and, and turn it into a business, which is the dream, right? I mean, having a business to do number one, what you love, but the number two, what you're really skilled at, which is knowing a lot about pivoting and about different roles and all that.
2: So that's great. Well, it's it's so it's funny that the so the occupational therapy thing. Here's my parallel to that. When I was in high school, my dad was my high school math teacher. And I had him for three of the four years of math in high school and all like the accelerated math classes. So when I was Ooh. trying to decide what to go to college for, good old dad comes in and says, Hey, Ange, you're good at math and science, maybe you should go be an engineer. And in <laughs> with traditional baby boomer parents at a time when there were still limited career options compared to what there are today, there were like those boxes that you were like doctor, lawyer, teacher, uh, engineer. And I'm like, okay, sounds good to me, dad. And in, in my research, I picked civil because it was the engineering discipline that had the most communications and you got to deal with people the most. So Mm -hmm. for everybody out there, here's a mini lesson from a career coach. If you're picking an engineering discipline based on the amount of communications it entails, you're probably barking up the wrong tree.
0: This episode is brought to you by Southern Oak Artisan.
1: Southern Oak Artisan makes 100% natural soy candles that are not only aesthetically pleasing, but are safe to breathe since they are made with non-toxic ingredients. And they're not overwhelming like other candles you may be used to.
0: Between morning brew, lemon bake, lavender, there's just so many scents to choose from.
1: Southern Oak Artisan 100% natural soy candles are handmade in our home state here in North Carolina. But lucky you. They ship all over the U.S.
0: Yes, lucky indeed. Head over to ArnorAdventures.com dot com slash Southern Oak Artisan, where you can grab our discount code and link to save on your soy candle purchase.
1: That's Arnard dot com slash Southern Oak Artisan. It's also in the show notes.
0: And now back to the show. Sort of Like um, radiologists, like, you know, someone who goes to all that medical school and then um, sits in a dark room all day and just reads images. You're like, I, I mean, do they, do they thrive on just being quiet all the time? Are they, do they get out of there and they get crazy by communicating with everybody? I just always wonder how that,
2: how that is, but yeah. Did you know what you're getting into? And I think that that kind of segues us towards where you were going and the idea that the the professional landscape has changed a lot in the last 10 years. And then it changed even more in the last three years. And there are way more career options now. There's a lot more space to be entrepreneurial and make that a career track. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot a lot more opportunity to really craft an intentional career path for you based on skills, experience, and knowledge when that didn't necessarily exist before.
0: So did you, we're talking about being like self-conscious and all that in high school, but as a full grown adult, you know, and maybe I'm speaking from my own experience here, but I'm just curious when you have these different roles and we're going, you know, into, you know, one position and then, okay, I'm going to pivot and go over here and then go over here. Were you self-conscious even as an adult going, I'm supposed to land somewhere and be there for a while? Like, did you have that in your head?
2: I think I probably should have, if I'm totally honest with you, these were the, I'm going to say, like pushing the boundaries of recklessness risk versus informed, educated risk. And all of that totally comes into my perspective on career coaching and job search strategy today, by the way. And and for me, it was kind of like what's presenting itself, take it. And, and in general, you know, I have my perspective on the kind of like professional development and career planning is very much life-based design the life you want to have. Mm-hmm. And then create a career path and seek a career path that's going to support it. We very much live in the opposite today, which is where that mediocrity thing you mentioned at the beginning comes in that it's just like, this is what I'm supposed to do. I guess I'm going to do it. So for me, it was, it was pushing against kind of that traditional structure and mentality that had been rooted in me by almost being a little bit reckless and very uninformed in my career journey that I just kind of like, okay, a door opened. I guess I'll take it a door opened. I guess I'll take it. And I think it's a really interesting, Way to explore possibilities. Um, I'm not a huge fan of like hard tunnel visioned goals because you might miss a really cool door that opens along the way. Yeah. That said, at that there was a period of time where I didn't even have a compass point and I was just kind of like failing forward. Luckily, it all ended up working out at the end, um, and that's where the hindsight piece comes in. So I don't, I don't think I was as aware or maybe intentional as I think is healthy. And uh, that is all that is all to your gain, everybody out there, if you want to have Hello. if you want to have career coaching. But but it's it is also part of kind of like the perspective.
0: Yeah. And I I I think um and I'm I'm imagining where career vendors comes in really well too, like you said, is I don't think that there's anything wrong with someone, you know, going field to field to field. I mean, I, I have that experience too, but I remember being so self-conscious, like, what's wrong with me? Like, why why oh, can't yeah. I figure out what I want to do?
2: Yes. And that's, that goes back to the, that high school feeling of like, you know, I was a valedictorian of my, of my high school class and I don't know what I want to do people it, that doesn't meet expectations. And then there's definitely, I mean, when I decided to leave engineering, the, ooh that was not a good conversation with mom and dad, right? Because you're really going against the norm, pushing against expectations. What are we going to tell people? You know what I mean? Like that was a a really big deal at the time. And that created a lot of self-consciousness around, this is not what I'm supposed to be doing. Mm. But there is a huge difference between here's what I'm supposed to be doing or here's what society expects me to do. And here's what's right for me. And I think it's really important to lean into what's right for you, as long as you're not like hurting people in the process.
0: Right, right. No, I, I completely agree. So when you, and this is interesting, this is coming up because I, uh, I had another conversation with someone recently about where she is in her role now. And and it came from, uh, you know, experience and challenges and things like that. But I asked her a similar, similar question is when you are working with someone now, do you feel like it helps to have i mean and do you have like empathy for them have not knowing or being this like feeling lost or maybe feeling like they want more are you able to sort of hone in on your previous experience to help them through that
2: absolutely and i i tell people like i also so i do a lot of career coaching but i also coach coaches and people who want to get into this and they a lot of them will say uh, you know, I don't. I don't have anything to coach. I don't have any expertise. And in my response to that, and the reason I'm using it as the answer to this question, is you just have to be one step ahead of somebody, and uh, but but to be able to understand, and empathize where they're at, in order to the guide them through something you've also gone through. And I wow. think empathy is a giant, is a huge building block of the success coaches have, because you need to be able to connect with the people that you're guiding in that way. And, and sympathy is good. There's definitely situations where I can't fully put myself in it and I have sympathy for what they're going through, but empathy creates, I think a, a higher level of trust and understanding and a deeper ability to guide through it. And I, and if that's any like example to you, I use a lot of personal stories as in a, in my coaching in order to help people understand that I, I get it. And, and it just builds this really interesting relationship that helps us go forward because it also gives me confidence in guiding a process that I have context for and, Mm -hmm. and, and can work somebody through.
0: Right. So tell me what, what the process is like, you know, who is your typical client, your avatar, client avatar, who comes in and, and are you working with most? And then tell me what it is that you do for them. I mean, it's more coaching and not like job placement, or do you do a little bit of both? Do you have contacts where you help them get a job
2: or how does that work? Yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a little bit of everything now that it's been so long in business, but I I specialize in kind of mid-career professionals, executives, largely in the tech space because of my background as an engineer, there was a lot of connection there. Mm-hmm. And uh, and I work a lot with people who want to level up and and maybe there's either an experience gap or uh, just that idea of like, I haven't done it yet. So how do I convince somebody I can go do it and the positioning, right? Um, so we work a lot kind of on that strategy of like, what's your career roadmap? What is the next step for you? And how do you then find a position that supports it while Mm -hmm. still making sure they align with kind of life parameters? So people like people will come to me and they're just like, there there's isn't alignment, right? They like, okay, where I work isn't a culture fit, or I'm not in the right role. And we kind of work through a process to figure all that stuff out and set good goals. And then My, my, like my most popular engagement looks something like, let's set goals, get clarity. I write a lot of resumes Uh Uh, and then working, working people through an execution plan. That's kind of like all the things from how to network and how to be your own recruiter to in-depth interviewing offer decisions and salary negotiations. And there's a lot of confidence building that happens across all that process because a lot of people will say, well, I can't go do this thing because I haven't done it. And I'm like, well, if you go do something you've never done, we certainly wouldn't have innovation and nobody would ever get to the next stage of their career. So right. like building confidence and helping them kind of see themselves through a third party objective eye can really help to that extent. I don't do job placement, but anywhere I can create connections in a network I do. And I empower people to go kind of champion themselves in that, that sure, way. Sure. Uh, since headhunting isn't really a thing anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, for me, I really like being involved in the whole, like start to finish process. So, you know, my perspective on coaching is that inspiration isn't the deliverable, it's the starting point. Mm. And so I take a really kind of Practical, tactical, exactly what you would expect from an algorithmic thinking former engineer. (laughs) Like I take that kind of like tactical approach to coaching and giving a lot of action items because I want that. I want to see the outcome. Right.
0: So I know that your, your content online is also about, um, you know, reducing the Sunday scaries and, and not dreading Mondays, which also leads into the title of your podcast. Uh, no more Mondays. Mm -hmm. So is it, would you say that when you're doing your coaching that, uh, it's important for them to, you know, be confident about getting into a role, like we've been talking about that they're really passionate in, where they don't dread, you know, the next work week or whatever it is that, that they've, you know, have that they're going to, that they're going to land in, like, is that part of the conversation?
2: I would say yes and that's part of that whole goal setting piece and and I'll say this for anybody out there listening who isn't where you want to be, it doesn't necessarily mean you have to go make your passion your career. A lot of us have passions and hobbies that shouldn't be our careers because they probably don't make money unless you're really really good at it right, right. However, I think that you can uh, if you if you're disengaged, you're unhappy the 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 landscape right now in the workforce like 40 percent of of workers wouldn't wish their job on their worst enemy. I mean, that's that's a statistic that's popped up in like the last nine months to a year. I mean there's been the whole seventy percent dissatisfaction stat for a while, but this forty percent, like literally forty percent of you think you're working in hell. That is no way to live. You do work more than you do anything else in life, including sleep. And if you hate work, you probably hate life. And in my mind, you don't have to, like get up every day so exhilarated because you are just so excited to go to work, but you sure as heck shouldn't dread it. And that's where this idea of like, no more Mondays come in because a lot of people who dread work end up having Sunday anxiety about it. Like Mm -hmm. we literally have a t-shirt that says, don't let Sundays ruin your Mondays. And it's totally true. People end up losing hours of their weekend because they start creating anxiety Sunday afternoon because they have to go to work on Monday. And if that's you, we certainly can get you into a better spot.
0: Mm, You're so right. You know, I've known people and in my life, they're probably listening to this now that they used to cry every Sunday because they were dreading Monday. They would, another person I know gets migraines every Sunday because she's thinking about Monday. Yeah. And, and you were talking about if you're if you're miserable at work, you're probably miserable in your life. You're so right because we spend so much time working, which probably means the people you live with are miserable in life too. Cause it trickles right. down. <laughs> right, right. I mean, yeah. And, and then you then okay, here's, here's a question for you. What's your opinion of uh, the hustle culture that, that exists?
2: Oh, so uh, you should probably know Shannon asking me for opinions is dangerous because I have never ending opinions about just about anything. So it's, I have tricky opinion. I have kind of competing thoughts here because I, I am a hustler and it isn't Mm -hmm. always the healthiest thing in the world. I am too. And it's not healthy for me, but yeah. 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 And what's funny is I've, you know, I work with a lot of people who have the quote unquote side hustle and I've started trying to rename it. And stop calling it a side hustle out of respect for it, and I call it a part-time job that you're going to make your full-time career. I got to come up with an ah. acronym for that. But but then but but then I also I'm going to go down a slippery slope and say I think the the converse to the hustle culture is now what we have cropping up with this quiet quitting, and I don't think either of them mm. are really a good place to be because I think you can be in a in a in a hustle season where you maybe need to like it's go time January February in my world is hustle season. It's the busiest time of the year, but it isn't sustainable to maintain that constantly because even if you have a high capacity to hustle at some point, you're going to crash hard.
0: You have heard me tell you about Nerva, the women-led team of licensed Ayurveda and yoga professionals, helping women achieve their health goals through natural and holistic means. Now that I've been in their program for a couple of weeks, I'm just still so amazed at how much this program is tailored to me. I've had a virtual conversation with my health professional, my yoga professional, and get an entire yoga and meal plan created, again, just for me. I can chat with my health coach anytime I want. I actually chat with her and not a bot, and this entire journey is created just to address my health concerns, which for me is gut health. Head over to arneradventures.com slash Nerva to book a free 15 minute consult to address your health concerns naturally through the Ayurvedic lifestyle. You can use code Nerva20, that is N-I-R-V-A 20, when you move forward with their program. Stay tuned as I share more about my experience with Nerva with you. And now back
2: to the show. Mm -hmm. And I think the the flip side of that is if you're sitting there, what they, this, this trending term called quiet quitting and not applying yourself, you're wasting away your potential. And I'm big on reaching potential. And that's where I think satisfaction comes in because Mm -hmm. if you're engaged in applying yourself and tapping into your potential, even if you're not on cloud nine, going to work every day, you aren't miserable. And so Mm -hmm. I think a lot of it comes down to kind of the balance of like, okay, there's a time and place to hustle. Uh, However, it has to kind of have that centered balanced period where you're not always kind of killing yourself and, yeah. uh, cause you need time to restore.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And, and I think when you were talking about earlier, the passion, you know, I, I've been in, in roles entrepreneurial or, or even not that I hustled, 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 because I thought that's what I was supposed to do. And then I've been in my own roles entrepreneurial where, I loved what I did. And then I hustled, 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 but the end results are still the same. I mean, there's still burnout and crashing. So I think when you talked about earlier, yeah, having something that you're passionate about and then you turn it into work, it, that doesn't it doesn't always turn into this really great thing because you could do it, it doesn't all the time. always work
2: out. Early in my coaching, I had a client who she and I together stumbled upon the following that has really become A perspective, and she and I still work together almost five years later. She was in a situation where she was trying to get 110% of her self-worth, her value, and her satisfaction out of her professional life. And she was putting so much pressure on work to fill all those buckets that there was no possible way she was ever going to achieve that expectation. And Mm. as soon as we kind of came across this idea that it's like, you have different aspects of your personality and you have different aspects of your life and therefore have several buckets with which to allocate your satisfaction into if you may 75% set of your life satisfaction at work could be enough. As long as you have hobbies and family and other passions that fill the other 25% volunteering, outdoor activities, adventure, whatever it is, I think it's important to kind of diversify where we get our satisfaction. Otherwise we're putting too high of expectations on a single area and it's never gonna work out.
0: There's this, I'm gonna kill it. There's this Oscar Wilde quote, and it's something to the effect of, if you know what you wanna be, then inevitably you're gonna become it. And then that's your punishment. (laughs) <laughs> and and I always and I love Oscar Wilde, but I always think, huh, is that is that a good thing? And then your punishment. And was he saying that because we devote everything into it, or because we get stuck in this box that you think you can't go out and, and venture and try other things? I'm not sure.
2: It's kind of like that. Be careful what you wish for. Mm-hmm. Say. Yeah.
0: Do you get people who come to you and they have been really burned out and they say, okay, I just need to move forward. I need to figure something else out. I want something that um, is going to be not necessarily, I guess what my question is, does everyone who comes to you go, I want to thrive. I want to find something I'm excited about. Or do people come to you sometimes and say, I want here, I want this to be work this box over here to be work. And I, am fine with doing this. I'm really good at this. And I want to figure out how to work doing that, but then I want to come home and have a work-life balance. You know, do you get people where you have to work on things like that?
2: That's more common than you think. Definitely. And a lot of that comes into what I would say is a life-centric approach to career planning and job searching and and a lot of times culture misalignment in a workplace does trigger somebody wanting to move on more people move on from a job because of management than because of the actual job mm-hmm. and a lot of it because management doesn't provide that that balance. And and that's where looking at what do you want what is working and what isn't working are two really really good things to evaluate. And sometimes if you can't figure out what you want, knowing what you don't want provides a good a good starting point because you can always figure out the counter. And mm. a lot of times that's what we go through. The number of times I've said to somebody, okay, what isn't working is is is, is very like foundational to kind of discovering what should be next. And I would say the next is kind of a caution that if you go too far into burnout, the time to recover becomes exponential. If you fall off the precipice there, um, you end up being in a headspace where you don't have the confidence, the vision, or even the hope that there is something out there that can be better for you. And and in those situations, when I've coached people from that, it just takes a really long time. I mean, I have I have I have worked with clients who it's like you got to quit your job. Right. If you have a job that's precluding you from getting another job, either because it's too demanding and you don't have the time or it's taking a toll on your mental health, that's something to think about. And a lot of times in those situations where the burnout is real, you need time and space to recover so that you actually even have the capacity to explore what's next. I think
0: what is a big turnoff these days, I, you know, it is for me. But I, I, I read about it and I read comments about it when people are talking about their jobs and, you know, the Great Resignation and quiet quitting and all of that. People don't like these days uh, when management or in the hiring process they say, you know, we're we're all we're all a big family here. You know, we're, we're like family because. I just to me that's like big red flags. For me, it's wait a minute, are are you instilling that in the culture because you want us to work constantly and then be here with each other and like each other? That's not the real world. You know, everyone doesn't always like each other. And if it's family, they sure don't want to always be around them and work for them constantly. I just think that that's and and I think that a lot of people think that's a positive. And I mean, I, here's your opinion again, but what do you think about that?
2: I think it depends on the type of environment that's right for you. And it it falls on both sides and a lot of people are in between. Yeah. I literally have had people look at me and go, I don't want to be friends with my coworkers. I want to go to work. I want to do my job and I want to go home. And I think that's a very respectable boundary to have that, uh, you know, there isn't a one size fits all corporate culture out there, even though corporate culture tries to be one size fits all. Mm -hmm. And I think it's even more prevalent now that we've moved into more remote work and you have options. And this idea of finding culturally aligned work environment is very prevalent. Mm -hmm. Uh, I think you have to know your audience. If you're, if you're on the culture development side and you're in the management position and have influence over that, you really have to know your audience and who you're trying to attract and retain and kind of cultivate Something aligned with that. Otherwise, there's Mm -hmm. going to be huge disconnects. Retention's going to be higher because there are also plenty of people who want to have breakfast, lunch, dinner together, drink beers, and have ping pong after after. That was a very that was the very like tech driven perky kind of area. And there's still people that are used to that and want it. But again, not everyone does it. And I think you have to and make sure that you know your audience and create a landscape that aligns with that and leave space for the differences between what people do and don't want in their work culture.
0: Mm -hmm, That makes sense. Did your business increase or uh, were you stagnant or decreased during COVID?
2: Oh, Shannon. (laughs) Should we talk about how I know about burnout and hustling too much? So uh, 2020 was a 3X growth year for us. I went from this business is getting kind of busy to holy crap, almost overnight. And here's what's really interesting about it. It was not because of layoffs or because of the employment changes that happened in April and May of 2020. I had so many people who were like, Angie, I don't like what I'm doing and the world's Mm going to end. I have to go find something better before it does. So Mm -hmm. a lot of it was like that idea that, that so much of our environment changed that people decided, I'm going to go actually take control of this one thing I can do. But in, in a time of crisis, you become very aware. And I think people yeah. became very aware of what was and wasn't working and used it as a trigger point to go seek something that would.
0: Well, and that's what they say about, you know, all those studies about people who took part in the great resignation is that they, it wasn't, like you said, it wasn't so much like they were being pushed out and they just, it was literally that they started focusing on what is important in life and to have a better quality of life. They would rather take the chance of not having, um, anything to land on and just struggle than to continue in the path that they were in.
2: So gosh, I, I was thinking you were going to say that, but, um, I thought it was fascinating. Yeah. It just was so interesting. And then, you know, obviously for, for, for the six months, the six months from like April, May, 2020 through the end of 2020, there was also a lot of just, I would say, sometimes I joke that I deserve an honorary LMFT from, for career coaching people through that period of time. But there was also, I saw people seeking a lot of kind of emotional support and the connection that all of a sudden they got, they got ripped away. Mm -hmm. And then then that in conjunction with like, wow, I really don't like where I'm at career wise, created a really interesting, interesting few months in the world of, of career coaching.
0: I bet. I bet. I I think it's also uh, kind of, I don't know if it's nice or or what, it's definitely different than, you know, a generation or two ago, they felt like, I mean, my mom is different now, but I remember where she was always like, no, you've got to find somewhere and you've got to stay there and you have to be there until retirement. And that was so important to people. And now the generation, they don't do that and they Mm -hmm. want to experience different things and I think that that's great that people are like that,
2: and the and the market is more accepting of that now as well. Uh, it started with I'm going to say alternative backgrounds and career changes that I think were really brought on by like the 08 recession, mm-hmm. when there were a lot of people out there who had to change, and then and 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 companies were like, okay, cool, we can we can take this on, we can work with it. Uh, I also think that that provided a lot more uh, acceptability and opportunities for entrepreneurship as a career. And mm-hmm. then now we've kind of moved into this idea of like, you got to change jobs every year in order to make more money. So yeah. it's predicted that I know, I know this stat, I think the average 40 year old has seven jobs. Now I might be wrong, but it's something very, it's something that you're like, whoa. And then it's, I mean, it's predicted that over the next few years, it will become pretty common to change jobs annually, mm-hmm. which is just so drastic. Like even I am like, whoo. I mean, do you really want to, that basically means you're job searching every nine months. I don't like, I don't, that sounds exhausting to me and I coach people through it, but it also feels like, how are you ever going to accomplish anything? If you stay, if you hop and skip and jump out of places, but it's, it may become the norm because it's how you get salary increases.
0: Well, do you think then that more, more employers would go with like contracts for a year instead of,
2: Ooh, that's a good question.
0: Well, I I think that investing and all the training and all of that, and then knowing they're going to leave in a year.
2: Yeah. Cause I mean, it costs like eight to $10,000 to onboard and and train an employee. So it's going to drive, it's going to drive co- like hiring costs. Yeah, I think the contract thing's an interesting concept because, you know, we definitely have moved into what they call the gig economy uh-huh. where contracts and short-term engagements, freelance stuff has become increasingly common. And I wouldn't be surprised if there was a shift in that direction to compensate for the fact that people kind of want to move around a little bit more. I also think it's, you know, be realistic about how long you need to be in a place to really progress your career instead of hopping to everything, you know, 18 months to three years, I think is a really good number because you get a rest, you have a home, you can accomplish things. If you're higher up the food chain and you're starting to get into like an executive level, you don't even have your feet under you after a year. So I think you also have to look at like your, and don't constantly like, Oh, I got to get a raise. I got to get a raise. It can be, I think also very exhausting and taxing instead Mm -hmm. of being grateful for like non-monetary factors at play in your your overall like job landscape. So I don't know. I think we're, we're at an interesting time also because of the generational component in the workforce. You know, for the first time ever, we have five generations and a sixth is starting to come in to the workforce mm. and the, the sixth and the current are so drastically different in their personality and makeup that it's, it's forcing a shift.
0: Right. Oh, wow. I'm just sitting here thinking, at the end of the day, which is why you do what you do at the end of the day, it's, you just need to be happy. And, mm-hmm. it, and if it's having someone like you coach them into where they're going to have a better quality of life and have a role where they're going to fund that life, whether it's in a schoolie or whether it's, you know, uh, living, I don't know mostly on a yacht somewhere or whatever their, whatever their goals are like the, at the end of the day, it's just It's about quality of life and how it's about quality of life.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I am going to say that two things I'm giving you all permission to seek out a quality of life that makes you happy because a lot of people don't think that they deserve it and don't think they can have it. And I think allowing give yourself the permission to have that, and then the second part to that is, don't be afraid to get creative on how it looks. Hmm. And that's leveling up. Yep. Exactly. You
0: know? Oh gosh. Okay. So, um, do, can someone work with you? Uh, and I guess probably so in this day and age. Like, do you have local clients, or do people come to you virtually <laughs> and touch them? Well, is it mostly you virtual.
2: Want, well, it's, it's, I have to give you the, the answer I give people around here. Cause I think you'll find it funny. Uh, I have no local clients because I live in a place where either everybody's a millionaire and doesn't need a job, or yeah. they have found the one job that gets them reasonable health insurance and a, and a fair wage to live here forever. <laughs> so, uh, I have, I think I have a total of like two local clients, mm-hmm. uh, and most of them are starting businesses if they are local. Uh, okay. so for the most part, you know, I serve nationwide. I have some international clients and a lot of my clients tend to t- tend to be centralized in uh, the, the major cities that are uh, associated with tech hubs. So like, you know, New York, Boston, I have a lot in like the Chicago area, tons in California, Seattle, and of course have a, you know, a good base in Denver. Cause that's the closest city to me. And I networked there a ton when I first started. So yeah, yeah for me, it's kind of like, and, and, and I now have worked with so many people in all of those places that I just know all the nuances of the, of the market. So it almost doesn't, matter really. Uh, mm-hmm. but I always have to chuckle when somebody asks me if I have local clients <laughs>
0: <laughs> because of that. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Well, I think it's time to get to your fast five questions, which can okay, be, fast, I'm ready. They, don't, they don't have to be fast. I mean, you know, we call them fast five, but some people have to really dwell on these answers. So we'll see.
2: We, we used to have, we we've, we've kind of like moved away from it, but on no more Mondays. We used to do rapid fire. And I was like, don't worry. It's never very yeah. fast. <laughs> I know when I
0: say five five, some people get a little intimidated. I'm like, no, you know, some of these you don't think people have to think about really in depth, but they do. Okay, number one, handwritten letter or email.
2: Oh, depends on the situation and the timeline. Uh, very specifically to my line of work, if you are sending a thank you after an interview, which Side note, you should always do, 100%. Uh, I think email, because if you do snail mail, it isn't going to get there in the timeline you need to, Need them to see it. Mm-hmm. However, if you're in the business of cultivating long-term relationships, i.e. you're a realtor or a coach or in a space where referrals can be really significant, handwritten letter goes a long way.
0: Uh-huh. I love a handwritten letter. And and yeah, I remember this ages me, but I remember what like my first big girl job I remember handwriting or or typing out a letter and then signing it in and putting it in the mail and going, Oh my God, are they going to get this before they make their decision? What are they going to do? They're not going to think I said, thank you. Oh my God. What am I going to do? Yeah. So totally, totally agree. Yep. Okay. Number two, phone in the bedroom or no phone in the bedroom. Oh, Well, should
2: I tell you what I think or what I do? <laughs> well, as a business <laughs> owner, I'm, curious, I'm, I'm sure I know the answer to that. But Yeah, phone's in the bedroom. However, my phone goes on do not disturb. So one, my phone is never on ring. It is always on vibrate because uh, it's a less disruptive uh, 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 notification to both you and people around you. Yeah. And then my phone is is in the bedroom. However, it goes on to do not disturb at nine and stays that way until 7.30 a.m. So how's that for happy medium? That's
0: great. Mm-hmm. I think that's great. And okay. then at seven
2: thirty one, the notifications start.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I've tried to get in the habit now, and and it's I'm building it. I'm really trying that. I walk in the mornings with my dog, and I I really try not to look at emails like when I first get there because it can get crazy. I go, oh god, I gotta hurry up and get back home. I need to go ahead and take care of that or whatever. So. I'm trying to, and that's a good idea. I could just keep it on do not disturb until about 730 and then it's done. Like mm-hmm. I don't have to worry about it. Good idea.
2: It's hard to do, but uh, not like starting your day with your own thoughts instead of immediately allowing everybody else to, to interrupt it is there's a lot to be said from that.
0: Yeah. So true. Okay. Number three, passenger or driver.
2: In just about, well, quite literally, if we're in a car passenger, cause Jim drives me everywhere. However, in all other walks of life, (laughs) uh, I would probably say driver, because that's just the natural position, I assume.
0: The way that we described you at the beginning, being a doer and all that, you seem very driven and that you are the driver. Yeah. Okay. Number four, mountains
2: or beach? Live in the mountains, vacation at the beach. Okay.
0: (laughs) Okay. Okay. And number five. If Jerry was here, he would just lead it in like we always do. It's super important. This is super important is ketchup or mustard.
2: I grew up in Pittsburgh, Shannon. <laughs> we put ketchup on eggs, <laughs> potatoes, and everything in between. Okay.
0: <laughs> One day we're going to do a diagram of how people answer that, but it's always a reason. And mm-hmm. and Jerry thinks that there's a, a way of, you know, a certain kind of person answers a certain kind of way, but we don't know what the answer to that is yet.
2: We haven't figured it out. I would not be surprised if it's geographic. Mm -hmm. If it has a geographic connection. I mean, Heinz is a way of, and and don't you dare give me hunts. (laughs) (laughs) Heinz is a way of life
0: (laughs) when you grow up in
2: Pittsburgh. (laughs) Oh, I bet it is.
0: I bet it is. It's like down here. We all have a pickle pin. We're Pepsi here in North Carolina. Don't you dare bring some Coca-Cola stuff over our way. But it, over in Atlanta, you know, it's Coca-Cola. So it's, it's all cut. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. And seriously, <laughs> the most important question that we think <laughs> that we ask everyone is, Angie, what does a life well-lived mean to you?
2: That you feel satisfied and have reached your potential and can, within reason, feel like you ha- don't have regrets. Mm-hmm. what's that book? The five regrets of the six regrets of the dying. Yeah. There's a lot to be said and, and to learn from that because nobody ever goes out and this is a dark way to take it. However, nobody, lot, ever goes out, nobody ever goes out saying I should have worked more and made more money. Right. And just keep that in mind when you're trying to figure out what satisfaction looks like and how you leverage your potential to meet it.
0: Or I'll add to that. I
2: wish I had more crap. I wish I had more stuff to fill my home. Here goes our minimalist life. <laughs> yes. It was amazing. I will tell you when we live schoolie life, it is amazing what you don't need when you don't have room for it. I know.
0: I, and you make do, you figure things out instead of like, I need to go and buy that. And I, it, it's a work in progress. Now that I have more room, I'll go, uh, I'll just go get another one. And I have to really talk myself through it and go, I don't Me need too. to go buy another
2: one. Yeah, I have to stay the heck away from Magnolia home section of Target because I just don't need it, <laughs> but I got room for it now. So what do I do with I, that? But yeah, I want
0: to, um, because of your answer, I want to ask you, do you know, uh, David Goggins?
2: No, but do I need to? Yes. Okay. Uh,
0: David Goggins, the book is called can't hurt me. He just came out with another one called Never never, never quit or something. But anyway, fascinating story. I feel like I talk about him a lot, but you said something that he says, um, in his book is that, uh, whatever you believe, whether you, you, you die and go to heaven, you know, you, whatever at the end of your life, when you're transitioning or whether you're looking at back at your life, he says he never, he never ever wants it to be where, when he's facing God or whoever he's facing, that he has to look that person in the face or look himself in the face and say, you know, I, I really did. I really phoned it in.
2: (laughs) I really, Oh, good way to put it. mm -hmm.
0: I I really left, I left some out there on the field. I did, you know, and I, so with your answer, I was, I immediately thought, Oh, it's kind of like, David Goggins and what he was saying about the end of life. Yeah. You never want to say that you just sort of halfway did it.
2: And I don't think you have to wait till you're at the pearly gates to ask yourself this question, by the way, I think I like very practical, real world example of when I use that idea of like, what are you going to regret is when somebody can't decide on whether to take a job offer or not. Or I'm Mm -hmm. like, are you going to regret not taking this opportunity? or are you going to regret not staying and it completely Ooh. shifts their thinking because it gets you it can get you out of the fear mentality of like well I can't do this because I'm afraid of all these things versus the idea of like well wait a minute this is an opportunity and I re- might regret not taking it so I think ask yourself what are you going what are you going gr- to regret or do you have regrets at various Kind of checkpoints in your mm-hmm. life, so that you are taking taking advantage of your potential, seeking satisfaction, and making sure that the relationships are all healthy along the way. Because you definitely don't want to regret that.
0: Hmm. Well, please tell our audience where they can find you if they, you know, want to work with you. Especially if they're part of that large percentage of people who hate their job and probably hate their life. How do they get in touch
2: with you? Yes, uh, we're pretty much everywhere. I guess, I guess it's just stop there. I could just stop there, but we're pretty much everywhere at careerbenders. So careerbenders.com. I'm really active on LinkedIn. So I apologize in advance. If you connect with me, I will fill your entire newsfeed. Uh, uh, just Angie M. Callen. And, uh, we're also on social media at, uh, careerbenders as well. And we're going to link all of that down in the show notes.
0: I could keep talking forever, but we'll go ahead and wrap it up. Maybe we'll have you on for a second time, but I Cannot thank you enough for your time and for being here. This was lovely. This was so fun. Thank you, Shannon. Thank you. Well, I just loved that. Remember after that, when I finished the conversation with Angie, I immediately messaged you and was like, oh my gosh, wait till you see this. You're going to like her. She was amazing.
1: Oh, yeah. And then when I watched it, I thought, man, I can't believe how much in common we have with her. Right? Yeah. I mean... I mean, that's always fun. And we do with a lot of our guests, but once in a while, it really hits home.
0: It really does. Uh Did you love that her cat's name is Nacho? Of course. (laughs) (laughs) Her cat's name is Nacho, which is amazing. Uh Well, you know, if you're someone who really hates Mondays and your Sundays are awful, go ahead and reach out to her. I mean, we've learned the hard way and Angie, too and that's why she's an expert in this, that life is too short to hate your job and it's too short to waste your Sundays and your Mondays.
1: Oh, indeed.
0: It also may be helpful for you all to know that we have a free freelance guide. If you want to do some side work or freelancing while you figure things out, a lot of people have said that it's helped them and it's been beneficial during their decision to leave a toxic work environment. while they you know, don't have something else lined up. So we're going to link that for you down on the show notes.
1: Oh, that sounds wonderful. <laughs> if this episode resonated with you or if you know of someone who would benefit from anything we talked about today or any episode, our guests or anything, please share it with a friend. It's a great way of supporting the podcast and us, and we really appreciate it.
0: Another way of supporting the pod is by leaving us a five-star reviewer rating on the platform you're listening to us on. Oh, and go ahead and hit that subscribe button because that also supports us. We would love that.
1: You can always find us, links we refer to during the show and any of the podcast sponsors at ArnoldVentures.com or linked here in these show notes. And until next time, enjoy that journey you're on. We're wishing you lots of adventures. Adios. Arrivederci. Au revoir. Adios.
0: Uh, sayonara. Auf uh, Dos vidiniana. Bye. Bye.